Please be seated. It's a delight and a honor to be back with you this morning. Always love being here at Riverside and sharing worship with you. Our text this morning is drawn from the 25th chapter of the book of Genesis, the story of the early years of Esau and Jacob. Let us listen now for the word of God. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padamaram, sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and his wife Rebekah conceived. The children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is to be this way, why do I live? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. When her time to give birth was at hand, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red all his body like a hairy mantle. So they named him Esau, which means hairy. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand gripping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob, which means he grabs the heel. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man living in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he was fond of game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff or I'm famished. Therefore, he was called Edom, which means red. Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. Esau said, I'm about to die of what uses a birthright to me. Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. The word of our Lord. Let us pray. O God, bless to us the reading and hearing of your word, and to your name be all glory and honor in the church and in the world. Amen. Well, I imagine the reason many of you came to church this morning was to receive some ethical teaching some spiritual instruction to help you become a better person. Forget it. (laughs) Because I see nothing in this text that's going to help us become better people. It is a very curious story about some very self-seeking individuals who make up a rather dysfunctional family. Yet, through all of those mixed motives and broken relationships, notice I said through and not in spite of, through all of that mess, 
somehow the purposes of God become a reality. We may not find an example of a better person in the story, but we may find some examples of ourselves. We first encounter a familiar theme in the book of Genesis, the theme of barrenness. But it is handled altogether differently by Isaac and Rebekah than it was by Isaac's mom and dad. Here there is no lamenting and wailing, no plotting and scheming. Isaac simply prays for his wife, and the Lord grants the prayer. That's it. He just prays that Rebekah conceives. And then in the middle of the third trimester, when things start to get a little uncomfortable, Rebecca says, if it's going to be like this, why do I go on living? She demands a refund from her Lamaze classes. And Rebecca prays. And the Lord says to her, at first I thought I'd bless you with a child. Then I decided while I was at it, I'd give you twins just to make things interesting. Not just twin boys, not just two children, but I've got the fathers of two whole nations in your womb. Two nations struggling. You thought this birth was going to be something nice and pleasant to comfort you and the old man in your autumn years? No, no. No, I'm doing something big here, something cosmic. That kick you just felt? That was me kicking at the door of the future. And Rebecca says, this is your idea of a blessing. And the Lord says there is no such thing as a painless birth, particularly if the birth is a gift of God. And Rebecca learns the hard way that the blessing of God paradoxically often comes with pain. And so the Lord goes on to give Rebecca a little hint about things to come. The one will be stronger than the other. The elder will serve the younger. It is a reversal of the ancient Hebrew custom of primogeniture, where the eldest son receives a double portion. Not to be so in this case. In other words, Rebecca also learns there are no guarantees from the past about the future. It's totally in God's hands, and she's left to trust in the providence of God. Well, the twins are delivered. Harry and the heel, they're called. And the struggling that started in the womb just intensifies. But now the parents decide to take sides too. You ever seen that happen? Maybe it happened in your family. It's more pronounced in some than others, but it's undoubtable that parents have different relationships with each of their children. It's something I've learned after becoming the father of three very different boys, now young men, that I have a different relationship with all three of them. Roland Perdue, former pastor of this church and father of five, was often asked when he lived here, which of your children do you love the most? Come on, you must have a favorite. And he would always answer the question the same way. I love most the one that needs it most at the time. 
My favorite is the one in greatest need. I love all my children equally, but I don't love them all the same way. Now that's an honest response. I think it's also a healthy response. We can't deny that we have different relationships with our different children and that our parents had a different relationship with us than our siblings. But we also can't deny that in some families that difference can be taken to dysfunctional and disastrous extremes. And I'm afraid that's what happened in the family of Isaac. While Rebecca's favoritism could be attributed to the word she received from God, the one shall be stronger than the other, the elder shall serve the younger, her favoritism is nonetheless powerfully present in that family. Isaac, on the other hand, can't see his sons for who they really are. He mistakes Esau's aggressive and dominant traits to be leadership. And he is blind to Jacob's fierce need for his father's affection and blessing. And the real tragedy that we see repeated later within the family of Jacob is that he repeats the same thing with his children to dysfunctional and disastrous results. But given all the dysfunction and bad relationships, given all the self-seeking and conniving, God is at work through it all. And he not only works through it, but he uses it for his ultimate purposes. There's an old hymn that says it well. God is working his purpose out as year succeeds to year, and the earth may be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. The issue of birthright and blessing is a powerful one in the Jacob story. But birthright, blessing, and election are never just for the blessed and elect. They are always in service to others. They're always meant to serve in outreach, in mission. Blessing and election are always meant to be outwardly focused. Way back at the beginning of this whole cycle of stories, when God comes to Abraham in Genesis 12, he tells Abraham that in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, friends, if we consider ourselves to be the elect of God, then that means we are also carriers of the blessing. It takes Jacob all his life to figure out the purpose of his blessing. And we still struggle to figure out the purpose of ours. A beggar sat down on a city street. He put a cup in front of him and tied a sign around his neck that said, God cares for us all. Can you spare some money to help a needy man? People pass by all day. Some ignore him. Others drop in some change, maybe an occasional dollar bill or two. And one man stops and looks down at the beggar and he says, if God cares for us all, why do you sit there begging? Why doesn't God care for you? And the beggar looks up and says, he does. He sent you. We are the elect of God. We are the blessed. 
And that means we are to be a blessing to others we encounter. You know, in the Middle East, they are fond of telling stories. That's why we get so many stories that come down to us in Scripture. And it seems for every story there is a counter story, one that pushes against the theme of the other one. And so it is with our story this morning. It seems that years ago in the land of Israel there were two brothers. One married, the other single. They both owned and operated a farm together, and they split the produce and the proceeds from the farm. Well, all went well for many years. And then the elder brother, the the married one, every now and then he would wake up in the middle of the night and he would think to himself, this just isn't fair. My brother isn't married. He's all alone. And yet he gets only half the proceeds from this farm. He, He doesn't have anyone to take care of him in his older years. I've got all these children to take care of me. It's not fair that he has only half. And whenever he had this thought, he would get up in the middle of the night and he'd take a sack from his granary and walk over to his brother's house and pour it into his brother's granary. And the bachelor brother began to wake up in the middle of the night. And he would say to himself, this just isn't fair. My brother has a wife and five children and he gets only half the proceeds from this farm. I've got no one to support but myself, but he's got all those mouths to feed, and he would get up and take a sack of grain and walk over to his brother's house and pour it into his granary. Well, you know what happened. They woke up in the middle of the night at the same time, and they met each other on the way to each other's granary with a sack of grain thrown over their shoulders. And so it seems that many years later, after the brothers had long gone and the story of them continued to be handed down from generation to generation, when those then Palestinian villagers wanted to build a church in their village, they chose the spot on which the brothers had met because they could think of no holier place than that. Well, many years later, after Jacob and Esau have parted ways and gone and made their own way in the world, they meet again. Listen to a portion of the account of that meeting from the 33rd chapter of the book of Genesis. Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, no, please, if I find favor with you, then accept my present from my hand. For truly, to see your face is like seeing the face of God, since you have received me with such favor. And now we know the rest of the story.